Welcome to the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast. I'm Lisa Fisher, a longtime broadcaster and journalist in Arkansas who's been in front of a microphone or a camera since the 1980s. I think of myself as the queen of Arkansas media. For this episode, I have Renee Letourneau in the hot seat. She's a successful intermittent faster. You'll get to meet her right after this. Let's devote a minute before we start the podcast on what makes Lisa Fisher giddy. Number one, it's when you stop me on the street and say, I listen to your podcast or you message me. I love that. Warms my heart. Number two is when you stop me and say, and I shop at Akel's Carpet One because of you, because I hear that all the time. Now, my mug is on a TV commercial that they've been running for Akel's Carpet One for a while because I've been a customer. See, I don't make this stuff up. And the other thing is I do some social media for Akel's Carpet One because I love to go in the store and see some of the specials. Now, the special right now is this luxury vinyl plank that they have for a really good price. Now, I don't want to say it. Okay, I'll say $3.99. Okay, it's $3.99 a foot. Um, Because then by the time you get there, if you're listening to this in another month, you may have missed that really good price. But I want you to go to Akel's Carpet One and see what the craze is with this stuff. Y'all, it looks like hardwood floors, but your ice maker can break or your dogs can try to scratch it up. Nothing's going to happen. It's not going to buckle. This is what we've needed in our lives for a long time. And they have it at Akel's Carpet One. Link in the show notes. If you're in Little Rock, if you're in Arkansas, gosh, if you're south of Minnesota, you need to shop at Akelscarpetone.com. She won most talkative in high school, and she has been running her mouth ever since. Welcome to the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast with your host, Lisa Fisher. All right. I love me a good intermittent fasting story. And now I'm understanding you and your husband both are champions of this way of eating. Renee, tell me how you got started with intermittent fasting. Um, well, I had a friend... Um, who had mentioned that she was intermittent fasting probably a year before I did research to look into it. And I didn't really pay much attention in the conversation about it. I just remember that word stuck out once later when I was doing research. So um, in January of 2021, I I just found myself at a, 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 I was obese and I was, worried about what was going to happen if I kept going on the path that I was going. Because I would say the previous seven years or so, I I was gaining about five pounds every year consistently for doing nothing different than I had been doing all of the years before. It just all of a sudden started coming on. And I got to the point of wondering, like, what is going to happen if I keep gaining five to 10 pounds every year? Like, when is this going to stop? So I chalked it up to it must have been hormonal changes that were happening that started around age 39. And um, so I was kind of doing some Google searches about how you could regulate your hormones naturally. And Jen Stevens' delay, don't deny, ended up coming up in that search. And then when I clicked on that and I, I saw intermittent fasting, then that reminded me back to my friend who had mentioned that she had done intermittent fasting and had lost weight. So I was like, well, what a bonus. And um, and then that's basically how I started. I downloaded 
the audible version and I listened to her book in about a two day period. And on February 1st of 2021, I began my journey. So it's just didn't it just make so much, didn't it make so much sense to you when it you did. heard her break it down and it how did. we've been lied to, we've been misled calories in calories out wasn't working for us. Right. It, it was such an epiphany when I, I think everybody, when we are introduced to this way of eating, because we don't call it a diet, it's not a right. diet. I, right. I, I don't know what you eat or I eat, it doesn't matter. Um, you kind of paused, Renee, when you said the word obese, was that a hard word to use to describe yourself? Um, I, yeah, I think I always, I knew that I was overweight, but it wasn't until around that time when I was starting to do a little more research and really looking into things that I realized that I was actually obese. Um, just a little quick back history. I was never a dieter my whole entire life. I just, I was kind of, I coined myself as an anti-dieter and that just stems back to uh, my mom was a lifelong dieter that I watched mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. I just, I don't know, I just never wanted to do that. And so I never had. And while I had some retained weight after each one of my pregnancies, I never, it was never enough to bother me to do anything differently. Um, it wasn't until I started just gaining this weight for no apparent reason and then once that all added up, that it really started to bother me. But I guess I didn't realize I was obese. I just knew that I was overweight, I guess is what I would say. It was eye-opening when I was looking up things like BMI and things like that and realizing I'm actually obese. Well, those aren't actually, you know, necessarily right. objective data because, I mean, we know that. But it is a plumb line to show you that right. your trajectory isn't moving well. No. So let, let, with that, you don't have to tell me the number you started with, but how much how much weight have you lost in, in the two years since, wait, did you say 2021? 2021. Oh. So it's just oh, over a year. a year ago. A year ago. Yeah. Okay. Tell me how much yep. weight you've lost in over a year. Uh, 52 pounds. Wow. So um, I started at 198.6 and I'm 5'5". So right now... I, I hang out in the, like the upper one forties, like one forty eight was what I was today. Um, so yeah. What, what is, cause the number in our mind isn't necessarily what's going to be on the scale because body recomposition is important. Right. Muscle mass is important. Age is important. Mm -hmm. So what do you have a number or do you have a size? That's your dream size or. Weight? So funny enough, when I started, um, the number that I that I started with was higher than where I'm at because that already seemed like a it was going to be a big task to get to, um, so I'm lower than that. If I go back to like when I was in college or when I got married, I, I weighed 135 pounds, so I'm still more than that. Um, do I think that I will get down to 135 pounds, or could I? Maybe, but. Um, in a way, it doesn't seem realistic. I feel comfortable how I am right now. Great. So I feel like I'm not necessarily trying to lose weight anymore. If I happen to, I will, but I'm kind of saying that I'm in maintenance right now. That's I've, I lost the bulk of it, I would say, in nine months. 
And, and then of course, then the holidays came and my goal for over the holidays and holidays for me was starting on Halloween and going all the way through New Year's was just Absolutely. to maintain. That was yes, my it's goal. A like season. If, right. So I thought if I could maintain, which I did during that whole time, then great. And then I thought after the holidays, I'll, I'll see, well, things kind of start moving again a little bit and they did a teeny bit, but overall, I just kind of feel like my body has found a, a happy spot. So I'm sort of thinking maybe I'm moving into maintenance mode. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing, Renee, I know you can agree with this about intermittent fasting and, and Jen so famously coined, it's a health plan with a side effect of weight loss. So we're just abiding by a health plan and weight has fallen off. So our body lands kind of where our body lands. Right. Right. And that, that's why for you, you're saying, I might not see the 135, but I'm comfortable in this. You right. Know, I'm, I, right. You know, because you were saying it was a seven year period. You were le- gaining at least five pounds a year. Right. For those, so, so that's 35 pounds. Well, you knock those off. You're probably right. close to your pregnancy weights or pre right before you got pregnant or after you've been married a few years. Well, and- I was 135 probably when I got pregnant with my first one. And then, you know, maybe... 10 or 15 pounds hung around after her, but I was fine with that. So yes, maybe yeah. I'm at where my post-pregnancy after my first child. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah. And, and those, once I got to 39 and those five pounds and five pounds, I probably didn't even pay attention for the first two years to that. It, but then it just kept happening. And then it, you know, really became concerning after a while. And I had, my mom has hypothyroidism, and so I, I've had all of that stuff. I was going in, I was having, I'm a, um, a nurse, a former nurse in the ICU, and so I've always been really in tune with my health, and so I go to regular checkups and have my blood work checked and all of that, and I was doing all of those things thinking, like, maybe this is the reason why I'm gaining weight, and maybe that, and honestly, what I think that it is, is I think that how we as Americans eat normally, not IF, um, it just caught up with me over time. And I wasn't really even a big eater. I've never been a person who has a, a huge appetite. I never was a really big breakfast eater. Sometimes I would, I would eat breakfast later in the morning, maybe 9, 10, because I felt like I should. But it wasn't what I, I was, though, a consumer of liquids all day long. So while maybe I'm not eating um, tons of excess food in the day, I was spiking my insulin all day long, starting from the moment that I woke up. And my big thing was uh, pop soda. We call it pop here. Um, Pop, I'd be cracking a can of pop by 8 a.m. And sipping pop, 44 to 5 cans a day, all day long, And I just think over time, my body was just not accepting that anymore. It was like, you have just worn it out, having your insulin up all day long. And maybe it wasn't from overeating food, but it was definitely from over consuming even liquids all day long on top of the food. Well, Jen would talk about nursing um, a diet soda all afternoon. Right. Because we were told that was righteous, Renee. We were told that you could get up and have a Diet Coke if you were doing diet beverages, which we know now are carcinogenic. I mean, you know, and they break your bones down. 
If you have osteoporosis, throw away your diet sodas. I can tell you that. This is not medical advice. That is just simple advice, right? And yeah. we didn't realize that the long-term effects of, I remember putting, I thought Splenda was a wonderful thing. I thought I could have, I could bake brownies. I could do all these things. I, we didn't know if we're trusting the science, we didn't know the science of Splenda. For one thing, again, a chemical, I wouldn't have that now if you put a gun to my head. Right. But we just didn't know better because the, the media, though, gets a bad rap. That's a whole nother discussion. But at that time, the media really did just have one platform and it was what was on our television or what we heard on the radio. And the television told us to drink a Diet Coke milk does a body good, you know, all these things, right. That now right. I kind of go not so sure because now there are alternative channels for us to get our information like intermittent fasting or right. whatever else you're looking for. So I, I'm just telling anybody listening, the status quo hasn't worked because we're fatter now than we were a year ago. I remember New York city, they never took salt off the tables, you know, well that hadn't helped. Because you know what? Right. We need salt. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then they started putting calories. They said, that's it. We're going to put calories in all fast food restaurants. That will deter the population. Well, calories, I mean, you and I know, really don't matter. I mean, they do in some respects, but what we're talking about, what they need to do is put insulin. And how this spikes your insulin. When you drink the Diet Coke with zero calories, you just spiked your insulin. So you stopped any type of fat burning. Right, right. And that was, that was such news to me. That's why I've really, pardon the pun, devoured this is because this now for my body makes sense. And that's what you're saying. Exactly. You're saying I really didn't eat a lot. So I didn't have a bit. See, that's the thing about hypothyroidism. When I remember when I was diagnosed and I had gained about 15 pounds and um, it was about 20 years ago, late 30s, and he just patted me on the legs and I needed a B vitamin and I needed to reduce my calories to 1200. And I said, I don't think you understand. I, and I don't, I don't know calories, but I said, I really don't eat that much because when you have a low, when your thyroid is low, your metabolism is low. And that means you're not very hungry. Yeah. It's when your metabolism increases that shows you get hungrier. So that's really one of the signs too of intermittent fasting. We have days, you probably know this, that you eat more. It's kind right. of, you're just hungrier that day. It means your metabolism is ramped up and it's working on your behalf. Well, let's talk about kind of what, how you started. Mm -hmm. What did you start with a daily eating window and what are you doing now? I did. So after I listened to her book, I decided to start with, um, 18.6, because since I, I wasn't a normal breakfast eater, I thought that would be easy. My plan was just to wait till about um, noon or one and start with lunch. And I was going to have lunch and dinner. And if I ended up having a snack in between there or something, then I would. But that was my plan to, to kind of eat twice a day. And I did that strictly for the first five months um, of, of the journey. I, I did the 18.6. I was pretty strict with that. I would move it, move the window based on what was going on. So if I had something going on in the evening, then I would just wait longer and kind of slide my window later. But I stuck in there. And then after um, the first five months, I decided to go to 19 hour fast. So I just moved like one little hour. Um, and then that kind of became my fasting goal was 19 hours a day 
sometimes you might, I might do 20 or 21. Some days it might only be 17, you know, but, but almost always more often than not was 19 was my goal. And then I didn't really worry about the eating window that much because I knew I wasn't ever going to go longer than five or six hours. I didn't focus on the eating. It was more like, let's just make the fasting goal. And then I've kind of just remained there the whole rest of the time. I've done three mealless Mondays. I've done a couple of short stints of maybe a month long of modified ADF just to try that out. Um, but beyond that, I, my daily fasting goal is still 19 hours. In the last month, I've started a new part-time job. So I work some um, about three days a week and I don't get home until... Um, 315. So on those days, I'm waiting longer. And those end up more being like an, an OMAD day just because I'm not starting to eat until 330 in the afternoon. But on the days that I don't work or on the weekends, I'm, I'm my goal is just always 19 hours. So it moves, it's a little bit different, but but it hasn't really drastically changed in the in the year that I've been doing it. When did you give up your soda pop addiction? Or at the end of the end of it was an addiction. And at at the end of May was when I was completely 100% done. Um, When I when I, I was not a coffee drinker. So the whole way I got started drinking a pop to begin with was back when I had my first child, I needed caffeine, and I didn't like coffee. And so I that's when I started drinking pop. And I actually started with regular um, soda. And then as the years went on, I decided to switch to diet because I thought that that would be better for me and it's not. But um, so 19 years of, of drinking soda every single day got me to where I ended up. And then, so when I started intermittent fasting, I still wasn't really a coffee lover. If I ever did have coffee, I would have it with creamer and sweeteners and all of these different things. So I started with, okay, I need a little bit of caffeine in the morning. I would choke down about a half a cup of black coffee just to get a little bit of caffeine. I'd switch to water and then I wait till noon when my window opened and I was still having pop then during, during my window. Um, but naturally with only having a six hour window in the beginning, I might only have one or two cans instead of my four to five that I was having before. So as those beginning months went on, I thought, you know, Renee, if you're going to finally kick this pop habit once and for all, this would be the time to do it because you're already have cut the, the habit down so much. So in May, that was my goal. By the end of May, I wanted to be done. And, and then I was, and I've never once had another sip ever again. I just, I'll just never go back to it because it was an addiction for me. I was addicted to drinking the pop. What are you doing for the burn? Are you getting bubble water? Um, you know, Topo I, Chico? So that's the thing. Yes. I drink, um, well, I have it right here. I drink the LaCroix pure, the plain LaCroix. I yeah. do like, um, I, I do like the carbonation. So that I felt like was what I was missing when, when I gave it up, I drink coffee now I've acquired the taste. So when Ew, I started, really, I know. Yes. <laughs> I so can't. when I started at the beginning, choking down like that half cup of black coffee, just the more that I had done it, I might only have one or two cups each day, but I'm able to drink, you know, a good amount to get my caffeine fixed. And then after that, I switch over to the 
water. And if it's in my window, I'll sometimes have like a flavored LaCroix. Um, I do drink some plain water, but but not enough. I like I like the carbonation. Yeah. So I, li- I like the burn. I'm not a soda drinker, but uh, once I started drinking Topo Chico or something with the fizz in it, I was like, "Ooh, that's good." Yeah. I I have a true confession. I did a terrible thing today. So it is. Uh, where, where where are you? Where do you live, Renee? Minnesota. Minnesota. That's what I thought. Yep. I could hear. Yep. I could hear. I didn't know if it was Minnesota <laughs> or Canada. Yeah. You said about. I could hear the oh. about. So, but we're in the same time zone. So it is ten, almost ten twenty Central time. Right. And I usually don't open my window till like one, two, three in the after. It just depends. You know, mm-hmm. it's way. You know, seldom is it at noon, but sometimes it is. So this morning, I have a little refrigerator in my closet. I popped open this thing. It's a Topo Chico, but didn't realize it was the Twist O Lime. Oh. <laughs> and I started releasing insulin, right? Because yeah. my body saw zero calories. Let's everybody get on this page. Right. Zero calories. Doesn't matter. And the diet culture would tell you you're fine. Right. But the health coach, people who study metabolic health, Dr. Bickman, Dr. Fung, Jen Stevens, will tell you no. It wrecked my day. That was this morning. Are you hungry I, or did you eat? Did you Girl, I had eat? to go downstairs and eat breakfast. My right. husband was like, who's here? Why, why do I smell food? <laughs> I went, a terrible thing. I was like a confession. A terrible thing happened. Yeah. I and what it that's what it was i couldn't have gone through i was shaky feeling i was not feeling good right. because typically i never open my window with just flavors i i open my window with real food with fats usually hummus or cheese or a boiled egg or something so i never tease my palate or tease my insulin because mm-hmm. just let's go back to the science your body recognizes a flavor insulin is released doing its job i'm very insulin sensitive and it brings my blood glucose down. Well, my blood glucose is already probably, let's say, 80 or 90. So it probably brought it down too low because it thought food was incoming. Right. So that's for everyone who says, I drink the LaCroix water with flavor, but I'm fine. Or I drink a Diet Coke in my fast and I'm fine. No, you're not. Right. <laughs> I can tell you, I, I haven't, I mean, I might eat breakfast twice a year and it's the other time I eat breakfast is if I do a very small window the day before, like fewer than, and I don't count calories, but I'm saying it's probably, I know a few times I've been busy. I had an OMAD and all I had was, I think a salad with some hummus. It was nothing. So the next day I, I, I looked at that as a refeed day. Right. And that's what we call in the intermittent fasting world to balance. Actually, it, it upregulates your metabolic rate, despite what the diet culture tells you it's good for you. So I would, I would listen to my body and maybe I've, so I'm thinking one other time I've had breakfast or two in a year and it was because of my error of drinking something with a flavor. Right. So that's why in the intermittent fasting, the scientific side, we say you can't do it. In fact, Jen, and so we call that, you you know this, but for people listening, dirty fasting. Dirty fasting means you're, you're nursing a, a soft drink or anything with flavor, even if it's zero calories, it's actually making you hunger and it's making the battle much harder. So you and I know, Renee, that we can go days. I mean, it's true. We really can if we had to. We could right. go days without eating if we just 
stayed hydrated. And my big thing now is electrolytes. We're doing that. A lot of my coaching clients do Element, L-M-N-T. Yes. Because of the, and there's an unflavored one I put in my water usually every morning. And that helps just keep you balanced. So, because a lot of hunger is based on you electrolyte balance. Did you notice that in the beginning? Um, I did. I got I I, I got some of the pink Him- Himalayan salt because I yeah. was reading about that and seeing that on the Facebook groups. And um, I think I got it more to. I heard that it made the coffee less bitter. And so that's what I've heard. Yeah, and so I tried that a little bit. Um, I didn't use a ton of it. So I guess I don't really pay attention. I don't. I must be in balance with my electrolyte, electrolytes overall most of the time. I don't feel like I need to um, do much with that. But I did in the beginning use a little bit of that salt. Yep. But you don't now? I don't. No, I mean, no. I just re- regular salt on my meal, you know, like yeah. when you season and stuff like that. But I don't, I don't do anything additive. I don't take anything, okay, now- honestly. Not even for thyroid? No, because I never had a thyroid issue. I went in thinking because my mom and when I was starting to gain that weight, I was going in and I mean, I still to this day, whenever I have my yearly exams, they still check everything just because I have that history um, with my mom. But no, nothing was wrong with my thyroid. I've even had a thyroid ultrasound. They've done all of that, okay. not just they've done all of that. So it, it was fine. So no, I don't I don't take anything. Yes. So just because I am a thyroid advocate and I consult the medical healthcare providers on it, so you're not constipated, cold, hair doesn't fall out, out of 30 of your eyebrows, you're not losing, your skin's not dry, your nails aren't splitting, you don't have low libido, depression symptoms, weight gain. Yeah, right. I, I probably have yeah. eight out of 10 of those things. <laughs> well, then yeah. in the health coaching world, we say, so because just as a defense of uh, people who have to take thyroid medicine, it's not right. a drug. It's a, it's a replacement. Right. So I just say this because with the hundreds of women who I've consulted with in 20 years, even before I had any kind of certification, because I, I, I'm one of those people that if there's something to study, I know my stuff, like just the way I'm wired <clears throat> with those people. Um, if mama has it, daughter has it. If dad has it, the gene pool is tainted is what my original doctor told me. So I've never forgotten that. So I have it and both my daughters have it and my mother. Which is why I keep checking it every single year, because that's what I have always felt is like, I'm just waiting for it. Well, look at it. And this is for anyone listening again, not medical advice, uh, but look at your thyroid antibody panel. And then look at T4, T3, free T4, free T3. TSH. I mean, TSH and cholesterol. If your cholesterol comes up, it's typically, uh, it's very often connected with low thyroid. Yeah. Okay. I'm just telling you, you look fine. You don't look tired. You don't look puffy. You're blind. I used used to be before intermittent fasting though. Yeah. I I was tired all the time. That was my big complaint was I was constantly tired for about, you know, 15 years of my life. Yeah. Um, and I was puffy. I lost 10 pounds in that very first month, but it wasn't, wow. it wasn't fat. It was all inflammation, inflammation. and water weight. Yeah. My I, face. I, yeah. 
Yeah. That sounds thyroidy, but again, you know, you may be I'll fine. keep I, checking I'm, it. Okay. And I'm also yes. I'm also saying for other people listening, sometimes there's not a lab value that correlates to how we feel. And if, a, right. especially if a woman goes back, I went, it took me four years to get diagnosed because first it was 10 pounds and it was 15. So they just, pat, they really patted me on the leg and I said, I was tired and I was homeschooling my kids at the time. They go, that's why you're tired. I go, no, this is a different fatigue. Mm-hmm. And so I just want people to listen to patients, any healthcare provider, And I know a lot of times their arms are tied because of insurance, uh, third-party pay and some other things. It makes it difficult for them to go outside that. And that's why I love functional medicine so much, finding out why you're sick. So I just, I really kind of have that as advice for anyone listening that please be an advocate for yourself because no one else will. Right. 15 minutes where you're with a healthcare provider. And that's why I go to a nurse practitioner who specializes in female hormone and hormones. And this is a hormone. Thyroid's a hormone. Right. Just, just as insulin is and vitamin D yes. and estradiol. And so and testosterone. That's right. Yes. So many things, so yes. many communicators uh, with our body that need to be in sync. So right. uh, that's just real important. Hi friends. As you can see, I have a lot of enthusiasm about intermittent fasting. That's because it changed my life and the way I think back in 2017 In fact, it's infected every part of my life now in lowering our insulin loads that I became a student at the Institute for Integrative Nutrition in New York, and now I have my certification as an integrative nutrition health coach. That means that I'm seeing clients. I can do that through, obviously, Zoom calls. You can do that through FaceTime. You can do that one-on-one in person. And if you're interested in becoming a client of mine, you can just email me health coaching at lisafishersaid.com. We'll put that link in the show notes, health coaching at lisafishersaid.com. Now back to the program. Which brings me to another hormone that it, part of my health, my, part of my health coaching now is based on uh, intermittent fasting, uh, lowering your insulin, right? And um, sleep. Those are kind of the two goalposts I talk about, but the other one is sunlight. You are in the Northern, almost, <laughs> you're almost to the North Pole. <laughs> what, what do you do? And I know it's the, the state of a 10,000 lakes, right? Yes. Yep. So I, I know with lakes, a lot of times they're with water. A lot of times I, I think of sunlight, but what do you do about getting sunlight in the darker days of winter? Um, well, believe it or not, I mean, when you live in a state like ours where we have winter that's cold every single year, uh, we just do a really good job of embracing activities that, that, that the cold brings. So, um, my husband better than myself, get out and walk all winter long. I don't, if it's freezing, like, you know, wind chill. What's cold, right? What's cold to you? And I'll tell you what's cold to me. So cold to me is if it's super windy, I hate wind all the time, even if it's 85 degrees, but if it's very windy (laughs) and if it's below 20 degrees, so if it's 25, if it's 30 right now, that's amazing. That's a heat Um, wave. (laughs) Well, right. Yes. Um, So we, we walk a lot. We have two dogs, so we like to walk a lot. So we'll get outside in the daytime and do that. Um, we have a cabin in, in northern Wisconsin, and um, we'll do some snowshoeing. Um, just 
whatever you can outside. But I mean, just naturally the days are shorter in the winter. And so the sun, right. but they're getting longer now. Yes. Oh, thank God. Well, yes. one thing, if you think about it this way, so the vitamin D that we get, the sun is so valuable. Everybody quit listening to people that tell you not to get out in the sun. It's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. But you get the reflection from the snow that probably helps you absorb it better. I probably. Mean, yes. Right? I mean, yes. it's brighter. So it, it may actually help you and help because that's it. Vitamin D levels get low. You get depressed. You gain weight. You get sick. Right. There are just a million things that happen that, you know, you people have probably ancestrally kept generations alive by everybody's outside right. walking in 20 degree weather because there's snow outside. You're going to get some reflection from the snow. And then when the weather's nice here in spring, summer and fall, we're outside constantly. You know, we have a pool and we we go out on the boat and the lake and, yeah. and we, we, we really soak it in then. Um, but you just have to learn when you're when you live in a colder climate to get out and just really make the best of what you have. Otherwise, you'd be inside for five months of the year. Yeah, that's true. And I just read the other day, and this would make sense for you. We build up our vitamin D bank, and that's how we get through winters. Right. So you probably absorb a lot in milder weather, where you're, you are able to be outside spring, summer, and fall. And yeah. then you bank it until probably, it's probably April before you see a thaw, right? Right. March, April. Yeah. March, I mean, April. it depends on the year. And then, you know, try to get on a vacation, you know, once a year. So I'm going to go to uh, Florida here at the end of March with some friends. Yeah. So I'll get a little yeah. break there where I can enjoy um, some warmth and sun. And, and then hopefully not long after that, it will start turning a corner here. But gosh, reason- if it's, once it's 40... Once it's 40, after you've gone through the whole winter, when it You're gets in a bikini. to 40. You're in a yeah, bikini well, not, at 40. I wouldn't go that far, but <laughs> it is, it feels really nice. 40, and it's funny because in the fall, 40 feels really cold. So after you've come off the summer, yeah, you're right. the 40 yeah. in the fall feels cold, but 40 in the yeah. spring feels nice. So, And the reason I'm focusing on this is because I, I really want my platform to include not just intermittent fasting, but part of health really is embracing the sun. I mean, I tell every client I meet with, whatever you do, because today we have sunlight, because we do at the South sometimes, just because of the right where we are, we do get a little touch of some rain or sleet or snow or something. It's very slight. And, you know, the whole state shuts down and it's, right. it's terrible. It, it, it's <laughs> like, it's like the beginning of the pandemic. It is shut down. Um, but we also then balance ours with some brighter day. So we have bright, we have a bright day today, but it is, I did wake up. It was 30. I'm like, I'm not going out there until it's 40. So Mm -hmm. I get it. But the sunlight is so important for everybody listening, no matter what your persuasion is with eating. Now let's talk about your husband. How did he get involved and how's he doing? He's doing great. He started about three months after me. And I, it's funny in the beginning when I started intermittent fasting, he, he was like, I, there's no way I would ever be able to do that. And Mm he, he is an eater. He worked, he's always home office, even before the pandemic. That's what his job has always been. And he is a get up and eat breakfast right away. 
And then he would come out of his office um, like 9, 10 in the morning and he would have like his second breakfast. And then he would come out of his office at like 12 and have lunch. And then he would come out in the afternoon and have his snack. And then we would have dinner. He was an all-day eater. He likes to eat. And so he, he said, there's no way I would ever be able to do this. And honestly, I thought he probably wouldn't be able to do it. Like really? I really just, I didn't because he That's did funny. like to eat so much. Um, but then about three months in to my journey, he started dabbling with it a little here and there. And, um, and then now he is the king of OMAD. He, he fasts longer than I do each day. He can eat a lot. So, so I, OMAD isn't great for me because I just don't have a big appetite. I and can't oh, wait, 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 wait. OMAD is one meal a day for anyone one meal who doesn't a day. know. That's right. right. Okay. Sorry about that. Um, I can't eat a large volume in one sitting. I just can't. I get full quicker. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I need more hours to stretch things out to get enough in. He can eat a lot of volume. So um, it's kind of been his his go-to and um, what he does most days. And he's probably lost 25 pounds. He didn't have as much to lose as I did. He's 6'1". And I think he was about up to 225-ish. Um, he's under 200, so maybe more than 25, yeah. maybe he's lost yeah. 30. I think yeah. that he looks, um, great and he feels better. He, he was a big snorer and that, oh. that has gone away. He was, uh, heartburn all the time. He would take the, just the over the counter acid reflux medication does not do that anymore. I mean, he's had some really great non-scale victories since starting intermittent fasting for, for him that have been amaz- amazing to watch. Have you seen the warning labels now on those over-the-counter or any of the heartburn medicines? No, it is, I haven't. It I'm can just be, glad he doesn't take them anymore. He doesn't, right? You're fine. Yeah. He's yeah. he's good. But people who take that, if there's any impetus, it would be that you would start a fasting regimen just for that. I would right. say do it. Yeah, I he said say, it's been life-changing. And for me, I was a almost daily ibuprofen taker. I've, I've had a uh, chronic knee pain and back when I was inflamed and, um, retaining so much water on top of like the obesity, my knee ached all the time. I had headaches regularly. I took ibuprofen all the time. I cannot remember the last time I've needed to take wow. ibuprofen now in this last year. And that changed very quickly. I mean, I would say within the first two months, even just getting that initial 10 pounds off, like I said, which was not fat loss, you know that it was just water and inflammation. It, it made a world of difference for me. And so just those things, over-the-counter things, just being able to eliminate daily things like that, I think are so huge. So huge. Well, let's talk about how many children do you have, Renee? Three. And then My how, oldest what, is what are their 20, ages? 20 and then... 18 almost, and then 15. So are they mad that there's not a 24-hour feed bar there at the house anymore? Are they okay with, hey, mom and dad are reared, they're going to eat just one big meal and be done with it? Uh, no. they. I, I mean, they can still eat all day. They, you know, they still eat. They just like have to te- fix their own. <laughs> like teenager day. Or I'll even yeah. make it. I, I'm good about um, making it. I, I'll say in the very beginning, we we didn't tell them what we were doing and because they were teenagers and they're you know self-absorbed they didn't even notice you know 
they're, you know, right. they're at school during the daytime. So if we're not eating, but then at yeah. night we're always having dinner together. We went a long time without them even really noticing what we were doing. And now we've talked to them about it and they're well, they're well aware, but it, it doesn't affect them. And I was actually just having a conversation with my son on the way to school the other day. And I told him, you know, this is not something that you even need to worry about right now. And I didn't either when I was your age, because your body isn't worn out yet. But someday, if you ever get to the point when you're, you know, in your 20s or 30s, and all of a sudden things start not feeling right, or you're now gaining weight and things aren't working the way that it used to, you're going to know much sooner than I did what you can do when it's so easy. It really Good. overall is an easy thing to do. My husband hates the word easy because he doesn't think that it, he, he hates when people always say that, that it's easy. But what I, when I, I try to explain to him, when I say easy, I'm not saying that it's not asking for effort, but you don't have to buy anything. You don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to do, th those are the things that make it overall easy. It's just a I window of time. Completely agree. Completely yeah. agree. Saves you money. Right. And it, Renee, it's freeing that right. I'm not, you know, in the beginning, you got to ask the questions, well, how many macros are you eating or how many calories are you eating? Right. And the freedom is, I don't know. I, I right. listen to my body. And if I need another, if I need, you know, that's, that's it. Sometimes people will see that I, I might eat a lot in one sitting, but then I'm done for the day. Right. Right. Or I might, if, if I were out someplace, I might have two hamburger patties on uh, lettuce, I, gluten really bothers me, though I'm an addict, so I have to be careful. But I might have more protein on my plate than someone else will. Well, are you counting macros? I go, no, I'm listening to my body. My body's saying I need more animal fat. I need more animal protein. Right. How do you know that? How, how can you hear it? And I went, oh, it it's loud and clear. You crave Once, it. Yes, you cra that's it. You crave it. That's a yeah. great way to put it. My body needs more protein. Uh, or yogurt or sauerkraut or fermented vegetables and it craves it. And it never did before. That's one of my favorite things. One of my clients said who's lost 90 pounds and he lost it. And like, he's a famous chef in the state of Arkansas. The first six months, maybe he lost 90 pounds. And he called me one time and he said, dad gum, you Lisa Fisher. I said, what? And he goes, I'm craving Brussels sprouts. <laughs> he said, I've been a chef for 40 years. Almost. I've never craved a Brussels sprout. And I went, isn't that crazy when you listen to your body? Right, right. And that it has been so much of my journey too, is the learning to listen to your body and be mindful. So um, when I said I wasn't a big eater or that I ate a ton, but I would still do what Americans do. And I would, you know, we're watching Monday Night Football and we would eat snacks, you know, so it wasn't like I was, you know, not ever eating, but once I did all this research and reading at the very beginning, I, my goal was to really pay attention. Am I actually hungry? Am I full? You know, um, just paying attention. And, and it's amazing when you do pay attention how far less you do eat. At night when you watch Monday Night Football, you, you'd actually don't need to have a plate of nachos. And, and you're just fine. Um, and then like you, you're talking about the cravings, you start to tune into like, oh, I'm, I'm not a really, I have to be really be in a mood for a steak, but there have been a few times during this year where I just really wanted a steak. And obviously I was needing something in there 
to, to go get it. So you do just start to kind of crave different things. And overall, I would say my um, diet in the last year, as far as what I eat, hasn't changed a ton. But it has changed some in the fact that I, I crave more healthy things more often and I crave the junk less without even trying. Uh, right. It just just, it just listening happens. to your body. Yeah, right. totally, completely. It's an elimination process our body does of what, and it's, is it window worthy? That's what we always mm -hmm. ask as intermittent fasters, meaning in our window, do I want to, because I can't really consume more than I can consume. I know that right. sounds like a vague statement, but you know what I mean? I, I physically can't overeat. It would, it would pop out of my mouth. Like it would come out of my ears. I, I just can't overeat. So if I'm going to eat, and you say, do you want a piece of Italian cream cake or do you want ice cream? Well, I love Italian cream cake. So I'm going to pass on this to have this. So it's just honing in what I really desire. What about alcohol? Is that an issue for you? Yes, but alcohol was an issue for me before intermittent fasting. Um, I was finding in my 40, you know, I'm, I'm going to be turning 47 here in two months. So in my early 40s, and I think this is when all these hormone things started changing for me, um, I was having, wine was a really big one. I, I wouldn't sleep well. I didn't have to even, I didn't have to over drink wine either. I could even just maybe have two glasses. I would sleep really bad. My heart would be racing in the nighttime. I, I was noticing that well before intermittent fasting. Um, so then once I started intermittent fasting, um, I don't have wine at all anymore. I've just decided it's not worth it. It doesn't sit well with me. So when I do have alcohol now, it might be like a, a seltzer, you know, like a white claw type seltzer or a vodka soda water. Yeah. Um, yeah. I can, I can handle those things, but I, ha I, I have them much more sparingly and it's not because necessarily like, I'm like, I'm not going to have the alcohol because I'm worried about the weight. It's more just because of my window and what it allows. So it's usually just special occasions now. If, you know, we just had Super Bowl Sunday, I had some drinks then. If it's, you know, a holiday or out to dinner with some friends. But before, I would just have a drink in the evening just to have a drink. And I used right, to like to could. drink margaritas. Mm -hmm. I mean, just, you know, you could buy those home margaritas in a bottle where mm -hmm. it's already pre-mixed. I mean, that's mm -hmm. just a whole glass of sugar. <laughs> It is and I used to drink those daily, yeah. you know, so it's just funny how that's all evolved over time, but it really did stem a lot from not sleeping well, not, it just didn't serve me well at night. It, and I think the older we get, the worse that gets. I, yeah. More sensitive I really to can't, it. I, yes. I'm so mad. At, I'm not mad at myself. I, it just looks fun to have a glass of wine, but at two in the morning when I wake up for an hour and a half, I'm not worth it. I'm saying one glass of wine. Like, so I don't know if it's the wine. And then I tried to have a vodka tonic last week. Same thing. I mean, it woke me up. So, yeah. I, and, and not that I, I have to have it, but it does sound good sometimes. And I do like the flavor and right. I, I like on a Friday night to have something, but I, it's just, my body can't take it. We built a home in uh, Little Rock a few months ago and we have a beautiful view of the Arkansas river. So the first thing everyone asks when they come here, they go, I bet you you're on this deck every night having a glass of wine. And I go, no, cause my window closes at about five. And right. if I had it at five, then I'd be asleep by seven 30, but it's just so funny. It's how people connect 
life and social events. And it's that late night glass of wine. And, and that's one thing people ask me too, is they go, oh my gosh, well, I just signed a client today, signed up. He goes, now I like wine. I go, well, I don't care what you like. I'm not, I'm not the judge of what you consume, but I want to say, but the longer you do it, the less you'll be able to probably fit it in. Right. And on that note, funny enough, my husband was a big red wine drinker. He, every night he would have red wine sitting in the chair in our right. room, watching the right. news. And he, right. that's how he would end his night. So when he started the intermittent fasting, he said to me, I'm not giving up my red wine. I will open my window at 2 p.m. so that his window <laughs> could go way late oh into the evening gosh. to include to have that wine. wine. And he did that in the very beginning. And do you want to know what? That is not what he does anymore. And he rarely ever has wine because as time went on, he shifted back his window. He has more of a, you know, same thing late afternoon into the early evening type window. And unless it's a special occasion or something like that, he's not drinking wine at 10 at night anymore. Like he thought he was going to want to continue doing. So it is funny how all that just changes. I kind of want to drop the mic right there because to yeah. me, that's the most profound thing you said. And it's the first pushback. I, I'm telling you with people, uh, the p guy today, uh, a lady two days ago, well, I like to sit and drink my wine. I want to say you do now, but it your tastes and desires change when you eat in a time restricted period. 100%. Right? And I, I don't understand how our body, what, things we desire and what things we don't desire anymore. But I know every person has that same story. They of, do. Yeah. I'm not like your husband that right there helped him. So, that part of that acid reflux and all was that right I agree. every day. Yep. Every night. And right that late. Bed. Yes. Yeah. Right, right up yeah. to bedtime. Yeah. He feels so much better. Yes, he does. He really and does. And Yes. So he doesn't have probably the sleep apnea or disruptions he had because no. we know that snoring is a disruption of our REM sleep and sleep. That's why people spend thousands of dollars going to sleep clinics and all. And I'm like, well, just, you know, eat in a right. four or five, six hour window and watch that go away. Yeah. Um, but he, so he's more rested in the morning. And then think about the other thing that he was probably tired all the time, but because he's probably, you know, the warrior beast, he's not going to show it. Eating all day makes you tired. No yes. one tells you that. No, no. Yep. And he ate all day long. He really, really did. It's just, that's why when he said, I don't think I'll ever, I'd ever be able to do that. I sort of agreed with him because I thought it would be very hard for him. And I, and it was a transition for him. It was hard for him to skip breakfast because he was a person that just woke up hungry. Me it wasn't too. as hard for me, but it was kind of a hurdle for him. But after he like worked through that and settled in, like I said, he, he is the king of one meal a day and um, he's just kind of found his, his little niche of what he wants to do. Um, when I was first introduced to it, I was introduced to an 18 and six, like didn't mm -hmm. know there was another type. He, my son just said, you just don't eat tomorrow till noon and then eat till six. Okay. But I used to get up at three 45 or four in the morning cause I was on the radio. So I would get up at 4 a.m. and have a three egg omelet with avocado and all, real self-righteous about it. You know, high fat, low carb, have my hot tea with stevia and heavy cream. So I would eat at 4 a.m. when I would get off the air at 9 a.m. because someone told me I needed to eat some protein to keep my metabolism burning. A lie. 
Then I ate it, and I'm not exaggerating. I ate at noon, and I thought all morning what I was going to eat at noon because I just keeping that insulin up. Right. At three, I had a snack, and then I cooked dinner for my family at six o'clock. Girl, I was worn out. Yeah. I was worn out from eating every day, and I never thought that I could reduce my food intake because I really had trained my body. So I did have those first, not the first two days. I was fine because I could sleep in on weekend. I, I was told about it on Friday. So I slept in on Saturday and Sunday morning to like seven. Not I didn't have to get it four. Right. Right. So I was like seven. I can make it till noon. And then, but I remember the first question I asked my son was, Oh, I said, great. I won't eat. I'll just drink um, this water with, um, the stevia. It was a squirt stevia, the Mio or something. I, I haven't mm -hmm. bought it in so long. I can't even remember. I think it's called Mio. It was a squirt thing. He went, no. And I went, well, it has zero calories. I was like, back <sighs> off. You're taking away the, all the fun in my life. And I can't have this too. And he went, well, you're releasing insulin. I was right. like, what does that have to do with it? So once you understand that, once you were, <laughs> that's what's so paradoxical to what we've been taught. Once you reduce the amount of hours in the day you eat, you're less hungry. Right. <laughs> I know it sounds crazy. Yep. Yeah. It sounds crazy. It sounds it's crazy. Amazing. We sound we sound mentally ill. We sound like we're lunatics when we say it at first. It does. But also since then, my mom, my dad, my brother, my sister-in-law, all of them have followed suit. Awesome. It's been awesome. so fun. It's just awesome. been fun watching and educating other people and and then watching everybody else kind of take the journey too. I love it. You know how Jen Stevens, uh, there's a Bible verse that says a prophet is without honor in his own hometown. And that is so true. Jen Stevens, because she is, she is the, the mother, the, the, the lay authority, right. On intermittent fasting, her mother, right. her, literally her mother doesn't do it. Her, like, I don't think her siblings do it. Her mother's still a, a lifelong dieter talks about calorie intake. And we're like, if Jen can't convince you to Nobody can. Right. Because Jen is convinced. I would wonder if it's a million people. I would have to be a million people. It's so She's a best-selling author. It's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. And then yeah. people like you and others yeah. who do these podcasts and You're you sweet. can reach so many people. I want to. I want to. It's just so, um, it's exciting. It was funny last night, my husband and I were talking and he's, because you know, he's all about the dollar. How, how much are you spending on this podcast? Because I, I have people who, I have a team of people who help me, right? And right. I, but I said, I have podcast sponsors. So it's kind of a wash. I don't make anything. But I, and he said, he goes, well, do you want to keep doing it? I said, well, I don't do it for the money. I mean, clearly. And he said, I can't imagine you not doing it because me, I said, me telling people and partnering with them on a way to live to better their life is, is worth the fact that I, don't, you know, I break even on my expenses on all this because I love getting the message out. And I, right. and I don't say that for some altruistic war. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that because that is the truth. The great, the Graham Curry's, the Jen I mean, some people do make great money for me. One, in fact, we're bringing Jen to Arkansas in March. By the time this airs, it'll probably be after we do that. But we're doing that. I'm not making any money on it. You know, we're, we're doing that and she's hardly making any money. We're, we're just, getting her expenses and whatever ticket right. sales we can give her because she really wants to do it, spend three days of her life. And she's selling books. I mean, there is an end goal, but people, those of us who've walked this path really want to help other people. Yes. Yep. And I believe it. 
which is why it makes which is why it makes following her um you want to do it because she is so genuine and authentic and the and the whole story and everything of that's why when i read that very listened to that very first book um she just calls to you in just such a you know, I'm just a person just like you who struggled just like She's everybody else. She's been there. Right. I mean, she says, Renee, she died at her weight to 210 pounds. Yep. Yep. And she's five foot five. She's five, five, right? Five, I four, think she five, is. Five. Yep. I yeah, think she, she is. Yeah. And she's a small frame because she's yes. like a double zero in petites or something. Because right. her frame is just small. You know, right. we're all, God made us all My different, frame so. is not, my frame is not that's as not small as that. That's, no, that's not either. But, and you know what? Yeah. I'm fine with it. I've, right. I was, I was the bottom of the pyramid for some reason in college, in high school. It was, it was right there because yeah. five foot eight, I could carry everybody else. Um, well, Renee, you're a delight. I love what you're doing. Keep telling people, keep, I mean, it's an evangelistic tool, we call it in the fasting world. So keep your uh, fasting evangelism. You're doing a great job. Okay. Thank you, Lisa, for having me. Thanks for listening to the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast. Be sure to hit subscribe and download all the episodes and leave a review, won't you? The Lisa Fisher Said Podcast is produced by ClantonCreative.com.